and welcome to the Tandem Collective Talks podcast. Tandem Collective celebrates books, film, TV, podcasts and more with our global community. We're Jen, Jade, Lucy and Lex, members and friends of Team Tandem. You might already know us from Instagram or TikTok, but if not, it's great to meet you and welcome. We're here to chat to you about what's new in the world of books, publishing and film, interview some of your favourite authors and hear your thoughts on what you're reading and watching at the moment. You can find us at Tandem Collective UK on Instagram and also Tandem Collective Global. Hi everyone, it's Lucy here. Hope you're all well. Before you get into this episode of the Tandem Collective Talks, we just wanted to flag there are some slight issues with the sound quality during the first couple of minutes of the main interview. Our wonderful editing team have done their best to eliminate these, so please do persevere to about minute four when the sound improves. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, it's Lucy here. Welcome to another episode of the Tandem Collective Talks podcast. Now, everyone has their go-to feel-good genre. For some people, that's a thriller that'll have you on the edge of your seat. Others will take delight in the goriest of horrors. And for some, it's a historical fiction that has you swept up in a totally different era. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing feel-good romantic fiction and the classic romance tropes we fall for again and again. Whether it's friends stepping it up a level to romance, a blossoming secret relationship or inseparable lovers who are destined to be together, we're embracing all of them. And joining me for today's chat are two of the biggest romance fiction readers from Team Tandem, the wonderful Ash J and Shah. Welcome to you both. Hello. Feeling romantic? Always. <laughs> well, to start us off, I mean, what is it about romance as a genre that makes you both want to read it regularly? Sure, if I put that to you first. I used to read romance as like a, I used to be just a hardcore thriller reader. Like it was just, that was what I sort of got back into. I found them really speedy to get through. And then I used to read like a romance as like a little palate cleanser in between. Because, you know, thrillers, I am a firm believer that if you're just, if you're reading a thriller and they're not going hard enough, then what's the point, you know, like go in, go because of And so I feel like you need something a bit like hard in between the crime and death and mm. bad stuff. But actually, actually a lot of seeing, meeting Ash and seeing his love for it, I'm like, do you know what? There is just so much good romance out there and not even good romance, but like good romance with like amazing rep. And I just think, I love the predictability of it. I love that, you know, nine times out of 10 is a happy ending. It just, yeah, that's it for me. The joy. Yeah. Ash what about you? See, mine is a, is a lot longer of a story. Because I got into romance when I was like 11, 12. And that context, I'm a trans man. At this time, I was not even aware that I was a man. So I used romance movies initially, like Clueless, Noughties, 90s, to sort of teach myself how to be a teenage girl. Because I had no idea what I was doing. I was just this tiny little trans guy being like, how 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 are all the girls doing that thing? They seem to have a guidebook. I don't. And so I used particularly Share from Clueless as my like stepping stone, then transitioned and was like, what man do I want to be? I want to be a romance hero and just took it all the way through. If it's any help, we don't have a guidebook. We have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, there is there is no text. We have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, well, so romance has been, like, massive for you then in terms of, like, a, a genre. Yeah, it's it's my comfort. It has been throughout. And it exists again. It's the happy ending. Yeah. You know, you know there's going to be a happy ending, and it's just, okay, I don't care what happens to get there. Put them through hell if you have to, but they're going to be happy by the end of it. As long as it's, yeah, kind of, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a, a kind of a Ross and Rachel scenario where it's, are they going to, are they not going to, on again, off again. Actually, that's a really good point. That's one of the questions I wanted to bring to you both today. So I'm always keen to hear your recommendations. I mean, I have read The Spanish Love Deception, which I know you both loved, and I really liked that. But one of the points for today's chat is, does it still work? Or do you still feel as a reader that you are satisfied but have that closure if it's a great romance it can be a, a really gripping plot you know you really likable relatable characters but if they break up at the 75 percent mark does there have to be a happy ending yes if it's a romance book it ha- they have to be together by the end of it that yes. is that is my rule i am forever petty if mutuals on social media will recommend me a book being like it's a romance it's it's the la la land thing every time and i'm like oh i'm into this i'm loving this and then it's like what 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 happened there yeah and then you get a random side character and you're like hang on a minute who's this person i've never even met this person before like you could have had Ryan gosling and you've got him what is happening I yeah I don't I I think there's a lot of contention again Ashley like back me up or correct me if I'm wrong but I think within the sort of romance sphere there is a lot of the third act breakup is very it's you know some people hate it but I and I think mainly because it leads into that classic miscommunication trope like it is like you know seven or eight times out of ten it's just miscommunication and you're just like please just tell them the thing or just do the thing that you're avoiding or just just do it because you know but again, I just think that predictability is just such a, because they're obviously already leading up to it, you know, like maybe it's like that they've got a secret kid that they're not telling this lover about. And it's like, okay, well, we know that that's going to happen. They're going to get 75%. They're going to find out they have a kid and they're going to fight about it and not be together, but then they'll figure out that they can work through it. And you just, yeah, I think I don't mind a third as long as they actually get together afterwards. Yeah. And I think yeah, you've, you've kind of touched on this shot, the, the predictability element bothers me with other genres, but not at all with romance. Like, it, the yeah. predictability is kind of baked in, if that makes sense. It's what it is. It's like, you, you can't have a fantasy without, like, magic and creatures. You can't have romance without an essence of predictability. You know how you're going to get from A to B. Um, that's what it is. That's yeah. the comfort of it. It's so true. so true. A couple of other of the, you know, kind of common romance tropes that we see or read rather, enemies to lovers. I think that is a really common one with particularly tandem authors that, that we've worked with recently. Who would be your, both of your recommendations who kind of do that really well in romance fiction? Go on, I'll show you, go first. See, I am not the biggest fan of enemies to lovers because I don't think people do it right anymore. Yeah, they. I think sometimes just make them hate each other, and there's no reason that they hate each other. Yeah, Ashley and I read a book recently called Sweet Hand by Ng Peltier. I think I'm saying that correctly, and it's fantastic. Like, definitely, definitely is on the recommend. But one of the biggest sort of 
maybe not quite a pothole, but like I just don't understand why the the main character hated the other main character. There was just no real clear. She just hated him, and that was the whole thing. There was no reason. There was no rhyme to it, and I was like, <laughs> I sort of get it, but I just don't. It's the thing, it's like when you take Enemy Silvers back to where it started, which is Pride and Prejudice, you know why there's that tension there. And you get to see the character development and you get to see that, oh, okay, so that's why. But Enemy Silvers has just lost that along the way. And it's like, oh, well, this person, the one thing that really gets me is when people are like, oh, it's enemies to lovers. And one of them's like, I hate you. And then you get to the other person's point of view. And usually it's the guy and he's like, she hates me, but I'm in love with her. And I'm like, that's not enemies to lovers. Yeah, that's, that's unrequited, badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a good example of enemies to lovers is Beach Read by Emily Henry. And actually Emily Henry comes up a lot on my recommendations. I think that they are, I like, and Emily Henry's books, Beach Read is a, is a good example of enemies to lovers, I think. Ashley's face might be telling you something. I, I, I was just thinking that I have put off reading anything by Emily Henry for so long because it's so hyped and I'm terrified that it's not going to live up to it. No, do it. Definitely do it. Beach Read is great. Yeah. I, I prefer Rivals to Lovers to Enemies to Lovers. Yeah. Mm. Uh, like my, my all-time favorite romance book, Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert, is a nerdy rivals to lovers convention romance, which is just <sighs> I kiss Shara Wheeler is a good rivals to lovers. I think I really enjoyed that element of it, like academic rivals to lovers, like they're both sort of going out for valedictorian, they're like the smartest girls in their year. And then yeah, Shara goes missing like three weeks before the end of the year, and Chloe's like hang on a minute, I don't really care that you've gone missing. I care that I'm now going to win by default and not because I deserve it. <laughs> it's like, yes, priorities. Yeah. Rivals to Lovers, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And I, I think probably a little bit of crossover with, or like maybe Enemies to Lovers has been repackaged almost as like second chance second chance lovers, not even necessarily people who have already been romantically involved, but where there's been like that misunderstanding like there has to be obstacles there's not a good romance there has to be obstacles there has to be loads of things for them to to get through so we've obviously we've done a few read-alongs for Karen Swan I think her books always do that very well there's often a kind of brooding character where you know there's there's maybe been a hint of a romance or there has actually been a romance between the, the main characters previously but you know someone's made a massive error of judgment and it's all gone horribly wrong and then you know kind of a, a huge point of the novel will be that character trying to then redeem themselves Heidi Swain as well so we did a Heidi Swain event at the end of last week and she actually said that her daughter has coined her trademark as having a sexy recluse but she said there's there always, there's always a sexy recluse in her books which I thought was uh, was quite fitting any kind of good second chance lovers trope titles that spring to mind sharp i come to you first with that one i think this one might be on ashtay's as well but a lot like adios by alexis daria it's a very good second chance romance and uh, she does another one which is a good for secret lovers which we'll come on to but yeah a lot like adios is great by alexis daria and if you listen to it on audio the audio narration is chef's kiss but we just did a read-along for something well we're doing a read-along this month in Australia for Something Wilder by Christina Lauren and that's a really great second chance romance like it's sort of the prologue is 
them being like super in love and like yeah and then it flips after the first chapter it flips like 10 years later and you're like hang on a minute they're obviously not going to be together mm. so what's going to happen yeah <laughs> that was that was the first I wrote down that I was like a lot like Eddie asked yeah that's that's got the the queer best friends in childhood to estranged like barely even acquaintances back to lovers and like that whole trope is chef's kiss excellence i had two more that i wrote down for second chance as well the one that book talk put me onto last year which is you deserve each other by sarah hoggle hoggle but it's the couple who got married and they're stuck in a really and there is proper like enemies to lovers they despise each other but then they work it round and oh, excellent that sounds and, really good i'll have to add that to my list although i haven't actually read the book yet love rosie no, 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 no. I am so anti Love Rosie. This is going to put me in the big hate crew. Anyone who listens to this podcast is going to send hate my way. I, I, no, no, no. I'm not even going to get into it. I just. How can you? That film. No way. I just, I think I don't mind a miscommunication trope but I feel like in Love Rosie it is just it's so constant and you think okay this is the time this is it this is them this is they're going to sort it out and then the rest of the movie they're going to be super happy and then they don't and then it happens again and you think okay no but this is the time it happens like four times and then then you finally get it and it's so satisfying oh I'm sorry I'm out it's a I'm anti Love Rosie sorry team I love that film. I got I watched that film on my flight to New York just before I got engaged and I got so excited at the end of it that I accidentally flipped the little flight table and chucked my dinner all over myself. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's oh I adore it. Casting meh meh for me. Oh, well, different difference of opinions about Love Rosie, but anybody listening, yeah, please do tell us what you think. And as, as Charles, yeah. any hate mail towards Charles' opinion, divert it in her way. Then <laughs> <laughs> constructive criticism. Constructive criticism, yeah. Hello there, it's Lucy here. Don't mind me interrupting our regular scheduled programming. I'm bringing news of a must-read recommendation for all you romantics out there, and we might even have word of a cheeky giveaway for you. This recommendation is sponsored by Transworld Books and is described as a heartwarming and emotional will-they-won't-they friends-to-lovers romance. This is The Last Time We Met by Emily Houghton, coming out on August the 4th. Finn and Eleanor said they'd always be there for one another, but everything has changed since the last time they saw each other 15 years ago. Can they keep their promise after so long apart? This is a must-read for fans of When Harry Met Sally, this time next year by Sophie Cousins and last night by Myrie McFarlane. Think a soft, joyful, cosy, romantic read. If this title sounds right up your street, you can purchase it from all good bookstores from August the 4th or head over to our Instagram right now where you could get your hands on a copy for free. Happy reading. Secret lovers. Now, this is always a popular one. What are your top recommendations for that? I am going to let Ashley talk about Alexis Daria because I know that he loves their work but for me I just read and I did an interview with the author 
the work. But the fake up by Justin Myers is such a good secret lovers because it just completely like flips the trope. They are telling people that they're not together, but oh, I don't even know how to explain it, but it just completely like flips all of these really fun and common romance tropes and completely just turns them on their head. And I really enjoyed it. It was such a quick read. But yeah, the fake up by Justin Myers for me, really great, like sort of set in, I think a lot of when you read romance novels and they're about famous people, it's so often about like American famous people, it can feel very removed. Mm -hmm. But this is a UK soap star and like this girl who is a singer who is loosely based on Adele. And yeah, they're like basically dating, but like they're not. And just, yeah, this is just so many fun side characters. But yeah, that for me, very, very good. That sounds like a good one. Ashley, any recommendations from you? And we've mentioned it already, but you had me at Ola by Alexis Daria. Oh, that. That That is one of my Desert Island books. Like, you, you put me on Desert Island forever and I've got that and I am good. Just Latine co-stars in the public eye. Oh, excellent. And the other one is, spoiler alert, by Olivia Dade, which isn't quite as secret, but it's Charno's... What I, how I'm trying to word this without spoiling it, but the fandom and again, the public eye nature of secret love is my favourite thing. Mm. Okay, yeah, no, that's another one then that we'll have, we'll have to add to the list. Another one is Workmates to Lovers, which I think there's been quite a lot done around this in film capacity, but Rose's titles, does there, are there any standout titles for the two of you that do that particularly well? Ashley, I'll come to you first for that one. Spanish Love Deception. Mm. <laughs> First romance, you instantly right there. And even though a lot of it, like, it jumps out of the workplace a lot, but, oh, it's... And it's just so, it's so believable. And, I mean, there's, I forget what the statistic is, but there is, an, you know, an incredibly high number of people who meet a partner through work. I mean, I did. I, I was a cliche and married my former manager so <laughs> I love that for you it's so rogue I think just hearing you tell the story as well like it is properly like a secret I don't know how much of it you want to share but like the whole <laughs> holiday thing for me is so funny <laughs> like just so funny yeah we, we went on a, a secret holiday nobody in the office knew we were together but a secret holiday he said he was going somewhere on his by himself. I said I was going on a family holiday. There is not a single picture of that family holiday on Instagram. And everyone who knows me would know I always post um, my holiday pictures. And then I also ordered yeah, some Spanish Tehran from Amazon to like make my family holiday in Spain story plausible. When I hadn't been to Spain, I'd been to Thailand with... <laughs> My really committed to keeping it keeping it that's on. my favorite part of the story is that you amazon primed some spanish <laughs> squeeze to make your story believable <laughs> <laughs> bringing in stuff or bringing in food from whenever they've been away but yeah that always happened and i was like right well i've got to bring something in that makes it look like i've genuinely been to spain and we, we digress but yeah workmates to lovers i a big fan of for obvious reasons <laughs> I don't have any, I I don't think that, apart from Spanish Love Deception, I have read a good, like, I haven't read another that I can think of, Workplace Romance, but I really like the movie on Netflix, Set It Up. Mm, yeah. With Hayes Biggs. Yeah, that's really good. 
I think that's a great workplace romance movie. Like, and Netflix does this really well. Like, their the Netflix original sort of romance movies are just absolute top tier. Like, but yeah, Say Up was one of my favorites. Like, very funny, amazing cast. Like, yeah, and I think it's one of those that you think again. Like, you're like, okay, yeah, it's going to be these two. But actually, it's not them at all. Yeah, Netflix's romance film are just top tier. Love Guaranteed. It's technically another workplace romance. Because it's lawyer client, but the excellent Netflix does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my my list of things to get through on Netflix is almost as long as my TBR list. It's it's just never ending. And then I'll I'll cross one thing off, but then like another three get added to it. So it's just yeah, growing at a a ridiculous rate. But the the kind of the classic soulmates like destined to be together trope. That's actually I don't feel I've read a huge amount of. I feel I've had plenty of friends to lovers, second chance lovers, workmates to lovers, but genuine soulmates. And I mean, the last book that I read that I think probably did this really well, and again, being very mindful of not giving away any spoilers and, you know, kind of touching on the whole, there needs to be obstacles and challenges for the couple to actually be together is impossible by Sarah Lotz. Actually, I think you read this as well after me, didn't you? Really good book and difficult to talk about without giving a huge plot t- twist away. But yeah, just a, a couple that are or seemingly are destined to be together, but face an enormous challenge <laughs> that will prevent that from happening. But oh, well done. Honestly, I, I flew through that, through that book. Yeah, the best thing I can say about that book is I threw it across my flat when I finished it. I was oh, so <laughs> that ending. And it stayed on the floor on the other side of my flat for about two weeks before I finally picked it up and put it back on the bookshelf. Because more of this footage of you, Ashley, when you when you have okay, someone send me this book. Someone get this book in the post, okay? I don't have any soulmates, Rex. I feel like it's one of those tropes I don't really read a lot of. I don't think I. I don't know. I am a bit of a cynic, and so that's why I found previously reading romance quite hard because I'm just like, mm, it's just not like that, is it? That's not real. <laughs> and I feel like soulmates are still a bit a part of that for me. I'm just a bit like, uh, is that even real? Like, what do you mean fated to be together? What do you mean? And I'm on the complete opposite side of that spectrum. Ashley is the world's biggest romantic. <laughs> yeah, it is. I my list for the soulmates and like insta love was the biggest by far. Okay, wow. hit us up. Give us, give us the recs. The the what? It's one of the books I finished most recently, which is Rush with Love by Maisie Eddings, which is another thing book. The excellence of that. It's a dental school. My my favorite quote from the author is, "It's a horny teeth romance," which is just okay. <laughs> exactly what it is. The amount of innuendo okay. that yeah. are related <laughs> to that book, it had me cackling from start to finish. But it is dental school romance, and there's like an instant. Oh, okay, this Bye. is. <laughs> And it's done, it's one of the only third act breakup books that I genuinely loved. It was like, okay, this plot from start to finish, I knew exactly where it was going and it was done so well. The Gravity of Us as well by Phil Samper is one of my all-time favourite YA romances. And it's between two boys who are both the sons of astronauts on a NASA mission and like living 
in this space NASA camp. And I can't talk about it without going full on like space nerd. I wish that everyone listening could see the 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 hand yeah, gesture that's going yeah. on this call. Like Ashley is like, read this book, read it now. I was five minutes away from doing a full on like rocket <laughs> <laughs> with this one because oh yeah, it it is pure queer joy excellence that book, and it has the same vibes as like space race but modern and queer. I feel like this is my inner soulmate coming out because I'm not the one with the space special interest. My fiance is the one with the space special interest, but it's my <laughs> And then just to kind of conclude, I'm going to do a quick fire round of questions or just a couple of questions for you both. And I want you to just say the first title that comes into your head, okay? So, best romantic fiction or romantic fiction with the best ending, Ashley. Sensei Boys, Aidan Thomas. Shaw. Okay, one romance I did love recently, actually, that I think does have a very good ending is You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty. Rogue, because some people will say it doesn't have a very good ending, but I disagree. Okay. I need to read that. It's very good. Honestly, it is a ride. It's a ride. Prepare yourself. Last romance fiction that really made you cry. Ashtay, I'll come to you first with that one. Mine has to be Finding Jupiter by Kellis Rowe. It's a beautiful like, YA romance. And yeah, it had me balling from start to finish. Oh, what about you? Mine was The No Show by Beth O'Leary. I literally was crying on the train home. And it was one of those that I was like, I was on the train with Elle and I was like gasping as I was reading it. And she was like, is that a real gasp? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. <laughs> incredibly cathartic about a good sob to a book though isn't there yeah there is yeah. anytime i'm having a bad day me before you oh yeah every time and finally one romance fiction book that you can take with you to a desert island i've already said anything by alexis daria mm-hmm. i'm gonna stick with that yeah one for me that i really enjoyed was actually one that ashley put me onto and we listened to it together not by type by Evie Mitchell. So good, very funny, like super spicy, just a very good romance experience. That's very a good. Very, very good sales pitch there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, I definitely want to read that. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. It's been lovely chatting to you both as always. And thank you for such good romance recommendations that we can obviously share with everybody. We will add them to the notes. And yeah, thank you both. And speak to you again soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. So that was our romance tropes chat with Ashjay and Shah. Lots of romantic recommendations there, as well as some Love Rosie controversy. Lex and Jen, I know the romance as a genre isn't typically something that you both read a lot of. Did listening to the conversation with Ashton and Shard convince you to read any other romance titles going forward? Jen, if I come to you first. No, no, it didn't. It's <laughs> the honesty in that. Just like, <laughs> no. straight, straight to the point. Disclaimer, I will read smut. So I've got a good bookstagram friend, Katie Rednext, and she is almost exclusively a romance reader, which I love for her. I love how much joy she gets out of the fact that she knows there's going to be a happy ending. But she will only recommend to me if she knows the pivotal plot is just smut.
Like I'm not mm. there for romance, but I will read smut. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So smut an essential requirement for you. Lex, what about you? I think I have a very similar answer. I'm not here for romance fiction. And I think it is because I'm in direct opposition of Shah's point that she loves the predictability of a rom-com. She was saying, you know, if they don't get it, get together at the end and if it's not a happy ending, then don't, it's not for me. And I'm like, well, why would you read it? You know what's going to happen. Obviously, this comes from somebody who wants twists left, right and centre and thriller content. But similarly to Jen, I'm here for a little bit of erotica. So mm. if the romance fiction leans into a more sexy fiction space, then I'm, I'm definitely happy for it. I read a lot of, I don't really want to use the word trashy erotica, but like very commercial, very accessible sexy fiction after the hype that was Fifty Shades of Grey mm-hmm. and now I'm spending my time being a bit more selective with the options that I choose so I think that's probably as close to romance fiction that I'm personally gonna get yeah I mean I did expect answers like that from both of you to be fair and I was thinking yeah they're almost complete opposites you know the predictability the safety of romance and I know based on what you both like to read it's edge of your seat like plot twists suspense you know kind of the unexpected if I could set myself a reading objective to find a romance with a massive shock factor in do you think you'd both be up for reading that I'm always up for reading anything but also I would say I also find that I don't like about romance that it doesn't really reflect kind of how I live. So all this happily ever after, like I've been divorced, I'm terrible at relationships. I am probably down for a shock and then a breakup at the end, Luce. So if you can find something (laughs) like that, go for it. A really good breakup novel. Okay, I'm on it. Yeah. I'm definitely up for the challenge. Like if you could find something that's got the pace of a thriller, like it doesn't necessarily need dead bodies and drama, but I need that page turning paciness because, you know, I'm not adverse to a romantic subplot. Again, we need to come up with some kind of like a, a, a buzzer for every time that we mention Verity by Colleen Hoover, but it does have that romantic subplot to it. And mm-hmm. that worked for me that, and that really worked for me. Yeah. Like, so that kind of stuff works so yeah if you compare that with the pacey elements Mm -hmm. I would be up for trying it okay leave it with me but I think yeah no it was a really you know enjoyable conversation with Ashley and Shaw I personally love a good romance although I do have to say I like there to be a bit of other stuff going on so like Karen Swan, for example, there's always a dramatic element, you know, to to the romance element of her books. I'm always here for the romance, but I do like to have some other elements to the plot as well. As always, we want to hear what your favourite romance titles and recommendations are. Are there any that we haven't talked through in this episode that you think we absolutely have to read? Feel free to email them to us at podcast at the tandem collective.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. As always, we're open to your feedback. So please do hit us up at Tandem Collective UK on Instagram or using the hashtag Tandem Collective Talks. If there's anyone, content creator-wise, industry superstars or your favourite author that you think we should feature on the podcast, then let us know. Bye.